So I tell you this and insist on it, the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and to speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. When we leave our house, we lock the front door. When we park the car, we lock the car doors. When we leave our desks, we lock our computers. Uh, When we use the internet, we've got passwords, probably too many. These are the normal things that we do every day because of the prevalence of theft. Yet when we think about the Eighth Commandment, which says, you shall not steal, we think it's a good commandment for robbers and thieves, but it does not have much to say to us, us law-abiding citizens. We are in the sermon series on the Ten Commandments, which are rules for living in God's freedom. And today we're going to look more closely at the Eighth Commandment, and hopefully we're going to learn that it's actually more expansive and perhaps more relevant than what we might think. So over the last few weeks, we've been learning about the deeper significance of the second half of the Ten Commandments, in that In the second half, which is more about commandments on how we are to relate to one another, at the heart of it, it's valuing each other as God's image bearers. And so do not murder is valuing the image bearing life, regardless of a person's utility, capacity, or potentiality. Do not commit adultery is valuing the sacred oneness of marriage. Do not steal is valuing a person made by God by respecting ownership. We value a person by respecting a person's personal property. And as Christian author John Dixon says, the fundamental rationale of the Eighth Commandment is not so much the utilitarian aim of a stable society, valuable as that is, but the inherent value of the neighbour made in God's image and loved by him. God has endowed something special about us as humanity compared to the rest of all that he has created in this world. We are uniquely made in his image to reflect him by personality, by morality, but also by our relational nature. Um, And so we are to value one another for those God-given things. 
And so God forbid us to steal to value our neighbour who is made in God's image. And so what is actually forbidden in God's sight is a lot more broader when we think about stealing more carefully. What is most obvious forbidden is outright theft. We understand that taking things that don't belong to us is wrong. Uh, We learn that very soon and quickly uh, in our homes and obviously at school, whether it's breaking and entering, robbery, shoplifting, breaking something and not paying for it, or borrowing someone's things and not giving it back. So we're probably not tempted to ever think about particularly robbing someone in particular, but we're perhaps more probably more tempted to steal in less obvious ways from not an individual, but perhaps from a company or an institution. Those unobvious and very uh, likely times like doing your photocopying at work without your boss's permission, uh, or good old raiding the stationary cupboard, but perhaps with tech that's probably less so. Um, And so we don't consider it stealing because somehow we think stealing from an organisation without a personal face is different from stealing from an individual. I think we try to justify it in our minds thinking that our work owes us such things, don't we? Well, the other way to steal is through unjust gain. In the ancient world, a chief way of uh, doing business transactions unjustly is through the use of what they called cheating scales, false measures. It was a way of getting more out of a transaction than deserved. And this reminds me of a painting by Leslie Thrasher, and this illustrates it well, I think. The painting shows, if you look carefully, a nicely dressed woman and a butcher looking across a counter at each other. By their smiling and expression, it looks like each of them are having a good business transaction. It looks like they're having a, a very good deal. But if you look very carefully, can you see that the butcher is pressing his thumb down on the scale? And also notice the woman, she's pressing her finger on the bottom to lift up the scale. And in our days, we no longer conduct businesses with weights and scales and balances, but we still in many ways achieve that end, don't we? From what we hear from the media recently, from accounting scandals, deceiving shareholders, stockholders, embezzlement, taking advantage of the poor and vulnerable, fraud, predatory sales tactics and cheating. And we look at corporate Australia and we can see many, many more incidences. And even if we look at our own local community, we can even see many, many more incidences of us dealing through unjust gains. Another thing is actually laziness. Laziness at your job is a form of stealing from your employer, like wasting time on social media or the temptation to do that quick internet shopping, uh, not on your lunch break, uh, or perhaps just simply not pulling your weight in a team, or working less than your contracted hours. I can imagine as you think about the past week, you can probably identify a few individuals that you might be frustrated at, or perhaps you might look at yourself and go, oh, okay, maybe not so good week after all. Because you imagine if you hired someone to paint your house and they build you for 10 hours, but then you discover that they've only done six hours, how would you feel? Rightly, you feel angry. 
because the person has deceived you and has stolen from you, or it's actually the same when we're working for a company or a business. Lastly, the Bible tells us that we can also steal by robbing God. The Almighty God says in Malachi chapter 3, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse at your whole nation because you are robbing me. When we are not faithful in our giving to the ministry of the local church, the prophet considers that as robbing God. Because ultimately, God is the owner of everything that we have. We are stewards, we are caretakers of all the financial resources, in fact, all resources that we have. They belong to God and God entrusts it to us so that we might be good stewards, so that we might use our money and possessions to help people, to help people around us, and more particularly, to help people find salvation in Jesus Christ, because that's the greatest gift that we can offer people. And so may that be perhaps a bit of a reality check for those who have maybe forgotten to getting around to setting up that regular giving to either church or to a charity. God sees it and calls out laziness and stinginess for what it is. He's saying, stealing from a faithful, loving, generous and gracious God. It's not so much laziness or perhaps stinginess, but it's theft. And so we can see that the broadness of this command now, can't we? It's not only relevant for those thieves and robbers out there, it's also very relevant for us in here, in this room. But when we turn to the New Testament, we don't actually get off the hook. In fact, the New Testament doesn't make God's less comprehensive. The New Testament actually gets to the heart of the law of this commandment by making it more comprehensive. See, the Eighth Commandment in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament calls out the negative applications of what we should avoid. But the New Testament shows us that there's also a positive application that God requires of us in order to obey the commandment positively. And what God requires of us positively to obey the commandment is to work honestly and to give generously. Because that is the opposite of stealing. The opposite of stealing is generosity. And we see this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul says, Aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Also in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labour doing honest work with your own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And so instead of stealing, we are to do an honest job, to provide for ourselves, to meet our own needs through work rather than stealing from someone. But the Apostle Paul doesn't stop there. Now that we have earned a living, we also have the call to share our money and possessions with others who are in need. And so the Christian life is not only about not doing the negative, but it's also having the power and the passion to do the positive. We're called to not to take from others, but to give to others. Rather than steering, we are to be generous. And so the Christian life is turned inside out. Rather than loving myself and using others, I'm now called to love God and to give to others. And this flows from saving faith in Jesus. 
That's why I say a lack of generosity is not actually a budgeting problem, but it's more of a faith problem. The problem is that not that we can't budget and keep track of our expenses or too busy to set up our online giving. The problem ultimately is a heart that doesn't fully trust in the truths and promises of God. And here are three heart problems which I think hinders our desire and our will to be generous. And they are fear over faith, envy over eternity, and self over community. The first is fearing financial uncertainty over faith in a God who provides for his children. For some of you, you lack a generosity because you functionally trust in your bank account to give you comfort and security for the future rather than trusting in God who does provide for you. This means the evidence of real faith, real trust in God, is not what you say to God in prayer alone, and it's not just what you do to serve others alone, but the real test is what you do with your wallet. So it's not just what you say to God in prayer, and it's not just what you do to serve others A litmus test is what you do with your wallet that shows real saving faith. Because if you don't trust God with your wallet, well, what you're actually doing is lip service. And what you could be doing is just for show. And this is actually how the prophet Malachi calls it. He calls it out very directly. And so if that's you, then you need to let Matthew chapter 6 transform and empower you. When Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all these things, we mentioned previously that the pagans worry about what they're going to eat, where they're going to live, how they're going to support themselves. All these things, Jesus says, will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so rather than letting fear overcome our faith, we need to let our faith in God, in a God who is loving and generous, overcome our fears. The other hard issue that could hinder your generosity is letting your envy of others take over, reveling in your gift of eternity. Let me say that again. Letting your envy of others take over you reveling in the gift of eternity. For some of you, money possessions is not about financial security at all, but it's more about financial status. And so your lack of generosity is driven by the envious comparisons, by wanting what others have, by wanting to do better than others. And you'll notice that when you're constantly always looking sideways. We let envy take over us when we forget the eternal riches that we have in Jesus Christ. We need to remember that we are actually extremely wealthy spiritually. And we get reminded of this in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, In his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. We need to be reminded of these words that we have shared ownership in the new heavens and the new earth. Everyone's following the property market. Everyone wants a piece of Sydney's land. We want to own a piece of Sydney 
Yet this passage says that we have already, without a mortgage, have shared ownership. We are inheritors of a new Sydney, a new creation that is filled with eternal riches and all that comes with it. Riches that will never, ever depreciate. Riches that you don't need to actually give a depreciating schedule to your accountant because Jesus will say, irrelevant. So rather than ever about what we don't have, we need to revel in what we already do have in Christ so that we can use our money to love others rather than use our money to beat others. And lastly, we could lack generosity because we place self over community. It could just simply be that we're selfish. And we live in an age of radical individualism. Happiness and fulfillment is an individual pursuit. Happiness and fulfillment starts with I and never we. And we get sucked into that, don't we? I, 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 but never we, we, we. Yet Jesus didn't come to save an individual. He came to save a people, a body, a community, which is the church. And it is in that that we experience love and joy for God together. So perhaps fulfillment is found more greater in our collective pursuit for God and less about our individual pursuit for achievements and accolades. We need to listen to Jesus again in his words to renew and reframe our minds when he says this in Matthew 6. Do not store yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Treasures in heaven is not just the new kingdom, but it's also God's people in the new kingdom. It's not just a treasureful place, but it's treasuring the people of God. People in his kingdom are to be the things that we are to consider as treasures, treasures that we are to cherish. And so we are to treasure one another. And when we do that, then our hearts will be orientated towards being generous to seek and serve the people to be in his kingdom. So can you see the problem of stealing is a matter of the heart. And the only solution is found in the heart of Jesus Christ. And so if we, you and I, are honestly reflecting on our own life in the light of this Eighth Commandment and in light of what Jesus explains to be the positive obedience of this commandment, you're probably beginning, like me, to realise that we're thieves. We're thieves. We're beginning to realise that there's a pattern of stealing in our lives. It may be respectable stealing or it may be secret stealing, But we need to begin to realise that perhaps there's a pattern of stealing in our lives and there's only one solution. And the solution is the grace of Jesus Christ. Because when we see the grace of Jesus Christ, what we see is that Jesus at the cross is being crucified between two thieves. This is a very memorable image. Even if you're not familiar with Christianity, it's well known because it's portrayed in many artworks that Jesus was crucified between two 
thieves. And it represents that Jesus, although he's the son of God and he lived a righteous life, took on the shame of a thief. And what we see is the sinless saviour crucified as like a thief, hanging, just like the thieves next to him. And here we see Jesus as a person who never took what did not belong to him, who fulfilled all the obligations, paid the debts that he did not owe, yet he hangs there next to a common thief, bearing a thief's shame before God as though he had committed that crime. And one thief saw his own sin, saw his own thievery, and when he saw him next to Jesus, he said to Jesus, don't forget me when you come into your kingdom. And to that thief, Jesus says, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. And I think God can say something like that to us today. From what we heard, if you can admit that we are thieves, the good news is that any thief who trusts in Jesus' grace and forgiveness can hear those same words from the generous Saviour to us. He can say this to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. Today, you shall be with me in paradise. And it's only when we encounter the grace of Jesus Christ can it change our hearts so that we won't say it's a budgeting problem, we won't say that it's a life admin problem, but we can say, Jesus, change my heart to no longer rob from you and rob from others so that I might, in your riches, be generous to others. Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, help change our hearts to pursue and treasure treasures in heaven, treasures that thieves cannot steal. And so may these secure treasures of eternity, resurrection, new creation, and above all, the treasure of Jesus Christ himself, may all those treasures change our thieving hearts so that we might overflow with generosity. For our Lord Jesus, who was rich, became poor to be generous in grace and forgiveness towards us. May we trust in your provision to meet all of our needs as we praise your name for the riches poured out for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.